Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, and a fantastic guest today. Um, now that we've got the uh, the time difference <laughs> right from Central Time and London Time, this gentleman is a is absolutely passionate about helping entrepreneurs. After growing up in a household full of teachers and entrepreneurs and cutting his teeth in banking, he spent 10 years leading entrepreneurial companies before discovering EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, in 2007. Instantly drawn to its timeless concepts and simple, practical tools, he's become one of the first professional EOS implementers, and since then he's conducted over 1,200 sessions from more than 120 companies, co-authored the book Get a Grip with Gino Wickman, conducted action-packed talks and workshops all around the world, and spent five years as EOS Worldwide's visionary. Today, he spends all of his time helping entrepreneurs implement EOS, running better businesses, and living better lives, as well as chatting to people like me. Please welcome Mike Payton. Payton, how are you? I'm terrific. Thanks for having me. Couldn't be happier. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to get, to get you on, and uh, how are things over your side of the pond today? Well, it's a glorious uh, spring day. Uh, I'm in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is about as far north as you can get. And so a glorious spring days are few and far between. And uh, so right. great. Thank you. But look, it's take take me through. I'm obviously going to love chatting to you about EOS, but just how did you get to where you are today? What was your story? Yeah, so I grew up like so many entrepreneurs, um, entrepreneurial as a young child. I was always doing something, uh, typically for money. Money was a, a, a an avenue to independence for me. Um, so right. whether it was buying bulk candy at a five and dime and selling it illegally out of my locker or <laughs> a paper route or um, you know any number of ways I might, I used to make airplane models and try and sell those to my friends, although I wasn't particularly good at that. So that didn't work very well. But, um, you know, I just have always had an an affinity and passion for business. And, um, and so when I took a job out of college as a management trainee at a savings and loan, it was a next step in what I had always sort of subconsciously felt would be a path towards um, entrepreneurship. And it was a great, uh-huh. great place to learn the art and science of business and the psyche of successful and struggling uh, business owners and leadership team members uh, that I got to know up close and personal uh, for a good long uh, run. And uh, that's what prepared me for the four entrepreneurial uh, ventures that I ran or helped run. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was in the fourth of those where I was really struggling to get on the same page with a business partner, 
who had hired me to take her business to the next level and and uh unfortunately didn't want to change a thing uh right that i discovered eos and fell in love with it and um felt like this was what i was put on the planet to do so that's the that's the journey but that working with people who who ask for help but then really don't want to change that can't be uncommon yeah, it's um, it is tough, right? I mean, for 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 a lot of entrepreneurs, the organism that you build, the business that you started and and built from scratch, is is like another child um, or your yeah. only child. And um, so, surrendering any aspect of control in a relationship that you care about so deeply is really hard. And um, and uh, and you know, when you bring in people from the outside it is accurate to say that they don't really get it and they, they don't have the same level of practical experience that you've had in growing this business from the ground up. And and so it's very mm-hmm. easy to fall into the trap of believing that therefore that lack of experience means you're never going to be right. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons why so many entrepreneurial companies hit the ceiling, why the owners and leaders get stuck after a period of, you know, unfettered growth. And, um, you know, thank goodness for that, because it creates an opportunity for a person like me, a, a professional EOS implementer, to go in and help instill discipline and accountability in a business without changing it at its core or sacrificing the entrepreneurial spirit or the flexibility or the nimbleness that's what EOS is. It brings a little discipline, accountability, structure, prioritization, and alignment from right. an organization without fundamentally changing it at its core. And, and that's an exciting thing to do for a living, for sure. But what is it? What, so why is that different to other coaching systems or, or business systems? Why is EOS unique? Yeah, I, you know, for... I would start by saying I'm only an expert on EOS. And so I... I eager to not opine on why it's different, certainly not why it's better. There are lots of great systems for running a business out there. All I can say is there's a couple things that um, are true about EOS that really resonates with the typical entrepreneur. The first is that it was built by a lifelong entrepreneur for entrepreneurial companies. My co-author and business partner, Gino Wickman, Mm -hmm. when he was trying to run his family business, was frustrated that all the resources he reached out for help with seemed to be written for corporate leaders, right? Bigger organizations where you might have a team of people who bring you decisions to make. And what he wanted to create was something uniquely suited to an entrepreneurial company where the owner and and senior leader of an entrepreneurial company is picking up cigarette butts outside the front door every morning because nobody else is going to do it. And also has to be a strategic leader, make decisions, hire and fire people, et cetera. And so, you know, number one, it's made for a very unique audience, uh, privately held entrepreneurial companies with 10 to 250 people. And it was built by somebody who was learning how to be a great leader and manager running his own organization very much like that. And then the, then the second thing is related to that. It's simple and practical. There's no management fads or abstract theories or highfalutin concepts that drive the thinking in EOS. In fact, I say to everybody I meet, I'm not likely to teach you anything new. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it to you in a way 
that's really going to work. And you're going to be able to migrate the tools you master at the leadership level down into your organization because somebody on the front lines can get value from running a better meeting and being clear on his or her role and having one priority a quarter that's written down that there's accountability for, et cetera. It's simple, practical stuff that helps teams of people get more of the right stuff done every week. And so those two things, I think, really resonate with our target market. And is it just for is it just the smaller businesses? I mean, entrepreneurship is is a diff, is you know varies in different in sizes. Is, is it really those kind of smaller businesses who benefit from a system like yours, or is it anyone really? Yeah, so I would say eighty percent of our clients or more, eighty to ninety percent, fall into that privately held ten to two hundred and fifty people uh, uh, market, and um, and there are uh, some smaller some larger, some that are not privately held, um, uh, some that are nonprofits. Um, and so EOS is working in a broad range of organizations, but it's important that your listeners know it was built for the, the prototypical founder-led uh, privately held entrepreneurial company. So what, tell, give us it in a nutshell then. What is it? What is the system? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, the EOS in a nutshell is three things. It's a model, and I'll talk about the model in a minute. Um, it's a toolbox, a set of simple practical tools, and it's a mm-hmm. process for implementing those tools that gets you the maximum amount of permanent impact in the least amount of time. And the model right. is really the journey an entrepreneurial company embarks on when it implements EOS, and it's a journey to strengthen the six key components of any business. We believe that, you know, the a lot of entrepreneurs describe themselves that pro, as problem solvers at the core. And so one of the discoveries Gino made early on is all their problems, challenges, obstacles, new ideas, and opportunities tend to fall into six areas or what we now call the six key components. And when you're implementing EOS, you're just getting better at those six things. And they are vision, which is getting everybody on the same page with where you're going and how you plan to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, which is attracting great people to your organization, defined as great in your unique organization. Yeah. Uh, data, running the business on objective information rather than the feelings, egos, and emotions that so often drive decision making. Issues, the ability to solve your problems as they arise. Process, which is getting the most important stuff in the business done the right and best way without you there having to nudge everybody out of the way and do it yourself. And then traction, which is bringing discipline and accountability to everybody. So when your vision is clear and you're walking around your business, you see everybody executing on that vision, helping make it more real, more present, uh, more possible every day. Why do people need it then? So when you, I mean, you talk about getting stuck or you know hitting ceilings, but you, these things don't sound terribly complicated. They aren't. There's a great study uh, called "The Evolution and Revolution of Business" by uh, Dr. Larry Greiner, written up in Harvard Business Review. You can still buy the article on their website. Mm-hmm. And um, in that article, this is from the 70s, uh, 1970s, and so so. What he did was he studied the growth arc of literally thousands of successful organizations, and he found that not one of them 
had a growth arc that was uninterrupted by periods of chaos. They were all following the same general pattern, which is the company would grow for a while, then it would get stuck. And if it was successful emerges, emerging from that period of stuckness and chaos, then it would grow again for a while, and then it would get stuck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so one of the reasons so many small businesses fail is because the owners and leaders are not able to emerge from those periods of being stuck or chaotic activity because they're unable to reinvent the way their organization works to be appropriate for the next level of growth. And the bottom line is when you're growing a company from one employee, you, to Mm -hmm. 10 or 15 or 20 employees, you need to use tools and techniques and philosophies and decision-making hierarchies that are completely different from a company that's growing from 20 employees to a hundred or a hundred and a thousand. And so most entrepreneurs rightfully so won't reinvent themselves unless they're in a tremendous amount of pain because they've been successful. And so why would I change what works, Peyton? I hear that all the time. And, um, Listen, I empathize with that. So that's the primary reason so many people get stuck and are unable to get themselves unstuck is things get complex really fast and typically faster than we're able to change and adapt. You know, while you're talking there, I was just thinking, and she sort of almost half answered this, but you you were talking about it, and I was thinking, right, well, you know, most most entrepreneurial businesses are all about the the. The, this person who started them—it's their vision, it's their their drive, their their ambition. It's 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 their baby, um, and then you bring other people in, and that vision piece that you talked about is something that people very rarely, when I'm t- certainly in conversations I have with my clients, is it's almost never that they have that sort of documented well enough. Is that something you see a lot of? Yeah. So um, the the the, the one of the components that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with the most is the process component because the perception in an entrepreneur's um, head is often that, you know, that's not the way we work. We're not a big corporation with a 750 you know page SOP manual that five pages are devoted to how you uh, excuse yourself from a board meeting to use the restroom, Right. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so there's this sort of, that's not entrepreneurial. And yet what most successful entrepreneurs are really good at, James, is they're really good at learning from their successes and failures and almost automatically integrating those lessons into their day-to-day regimen so that they repeat often the things that work well and they avoid, like the plague, the things that lead to problems, challenges, and obstacles. But mm-hmm. It's an automatic sort of gut-level, visceral approach to process man- uh, management, not a, hey, we've got to get the 40 or 60 or 80 people in the organization to do it the way the lessons we've learned over the years have taught us to do it every day approach. And that's all we do when we're strengthening the process component in an EOS company is we help the rest of the organization learn the lessons from the founder and the longtime members of the leadership team or the staff 
so that they learn right out of the gate how to avoid those mistakes and repeat those successes. That's the approach that works. And that's that kind of holistic way of operating that you talk about in your, in your talks. Yeah, and it's that's what, that's what I mean by simple and practical as well. Um, most entrepreneurs are busier than one-armed paper hangers in a windstorm, and they don't have time to create an <laughs> SOP manual. And if they did, they know nobody would read it. And so, you know, it, it, continuing to yell at an entrepreneurial leadership team to create an SOP manual doesn't seem to work. So just saying, how about we have a one or two page pilots checklist for how we onboard a new customer. And every time we win a new piece of business, we just have everybody involved and even one step in the process, follow those, you know, seven to 12 major steps for successfully onboarding a customer. That approach Mm -hmm. really seems to work. That's kind of the philosophy of an EOS run company right there. I see. I see. So you, you we use the word entrepreneur all the time at the moment. You, you, you obviously the EOS system is based on entrepreneurs. But what's the difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner? Mm. Uh, you know, our definition of entrepreneurial is growth oriented, open minded, uh, more afraid of the status quo than they are of change, uh, mm-hmm. respectful and appreciative, want help, flexible, nimble, adaptable. Um, aware that you have to create value in the world before you ask for anything in return. That's entrepreneurial. And the vast majority of business owners on the planet are hardwired that way. Some Mm -hmm. aren't. And if they aren't, EOS probably isn't for them. Right. So what would stop them wanting to be like that? Is that just a a personal choice? Well, uh, you know, I I'm not a trained psychologist, although uh, I'm occasionally accused of doing that for a living, um, because when you get an entrepreneurial (laughs) leadership team around a conference table, some really crazy stuff happens. But um, but I don't know, um, you know, at all kinds of things, a desire to never make a mistake and and an unwillingness to be vulnerable, Um, uh, uh, you know, fear of failure, as I mentioned already. So there are all kinds of psychological reasons to not want to be that. Um, And, and, you know, again, if you want to achieve your maximum potential as a human and a business owner, um, you know, letting go of some of that stuff is really valuable and important. So I often love to learn by kind of looking at what people do wrong and saying, you know, how do I avoid those mistakes in the future? What are some of the kind of common things that you see going into a new client, having those initial conversations? What are the the big kind of issues you see more regularly than others? Yeah, so it's funny that you say it that way, James, because I am the same and I tell everybody I encounter in this crazy EOS journey that it's the greatest gig in the world for me, because basically I'm trying to help prevent other leaders from making the terrible mistakes I've made my whole life. So, (laughs) um, you know, uh, letting go, the ability to let go is what you were referencing earlier to Mm -hmm. create clarity of desired outcomes. What is it you want to accomplish in this business? And then empower other people to independently execute in a way that achieves that vision. That is a common 
difficulty for entrepreneurs. And um, it requires a tremendous amount of personal growth in order to um, generate the ability to let go. And I have struggled with that my whole life. Um, uh, and, and so do a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, the desire to solve everything right now is another uh, common yeah. predicament for entrepreneurs. Either my organization is perfect or it's totally broken and I want to shut the darn thing down. It's, it's you know, sort of the two perspectives. And, uh, yep. you know, manic behavior is not uncommon when you're leading and running a great organization. Again, this is a personal flaw of mine. I, I will frequently say I was the classic entrepreneurial leader who after a good week, when you won a new piece of business you'd been working on for a while, you got a nice letter from a customer and a and a employee high fives you in the hallway and says, man, I love working here. You go home that week and you're going to conquer the world. And inevitably, because God has a sense of humor or is vindictive, whatever mindset you have, inevitably the following week, you know, the the poop hits the fan. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and at the end of that week, I wanted to sell the business, right? I, this is no fun anymore. I'm miserable. And so, you know, you just have to create an even keel, recognize that everything is just an issue, prioritize and resolve your issues one at a time, take a one step forward every day kind of approach. Those are mm -hmm. two common challenges for entrepreneurs and leadership team members that I see. You mentioned Gino there, Gino Wickman, obviously, well, not obviously, but um, you know, wrote a fantastic book called Traction, which I guess is part of the starting point for a lot of this. But what, how does Traction fit within the EOS model? Yeah, so so Traction is the name of the first book in the Traction Library. There are now five books, and it's the mm -hmm. primer. It's the how-to manual for implementing EOS in your business. It's a fabulous book, very engaging for a how-to manual, lots of great stories and real-world applications. Yeah. But the it describes the mission of a company running on EOS, and the mission of a company running on EOS is to achieve its vision, whatever that vision is. And the number one reason companies don't achieve a vision when the owners or leaders have one isn't a lack of vision. It's actually there's too much vision. You're not all on the same page. And it comes down to you can't execute, you can't generate traction, you can't achieve your vision without clarity of vision and then discipline and accountability. And so that's the role the traction component plays. It's instilling discipline and accountability throughout the organization, starting at the leadership team. And I, yep. speak, I speak to entrepreneurs all the time, James, and I'll say, we bring discipline and accountability to an entrepreneurial company, and I'll have a visionary raise his hand and say, oh boy, that's what we need, Peyton. And I say, tell me the truth. Are you thinking I'm going to come in and make everybody else disciplined and accountable, Sally? And Sally will say, well, yeah. <laughs> and I'll say, well, I just need you to know I'm going to start with you because if you're not disciplined and accountable, it's uh -huh. impossible to have a, an organization of people reporting up to you that are also disciplined and accountable. And so that's part of the secret sauce, too, is we start at the leadership team and we make the owner 
and the leaders more disciplined, accountable, focused on the right stuff, a, a few essential priorities rather than everything being important. And from there, traction flows from the top down. So many businesses have, have leaders who don't like to be accountable. Well, I think that um, I think that if you're a successful entrepreneur, you have demonstrated the ability to be accountable. What I notice happens is being accountable as a self-employed solopreneur is more essential and simpler than it is when you're the visionary owner of a 40-person organization with no infrastructure built below you for organizational accountability. That's the issue. Yep. I don't right. see a lot of non-accountable entrepreneurs who are successful. I see people yep. whose personal accountability they've not been able to spread across an entire organization or hierarchy or structure. Yeah, Joe, the reason I asked that was just it's interesting when, when you look at um, – particularly startup businesses. So I, I spend a lot of time in the recruitment world and, you know, a lot of guys leave the business they're in. They go, you know what, I, I'm, I'm off. And off she goes and sets up their own business. And very often, or not very often, often those people are actually people who are not great employees. They're good. They're not good at taking advice. They're not good at working with others. Um, and so they end up being, you know, successful on their own. But then when they bring in people, the, the the point of being accountable they find very difficult. Can we just step back a little bit though? Because say we're looking at a business, you know, I've set up my little my business. I'm I'm running well. There's no there's no coronavirus. There's no recession. There's no crap going on in the world. It's just a very you know normal economic cycles going yeah. on. And I'm starting to build up. I think you know what? It's time to grow now. It's just been me. It's been good. I've hired in a few extra pieces. I've got some support, but I'm going to get some more people in. People's one of the hardest things to get right, isn't it, for someone in that situation? How do you go about it? How do you how do you decide what kind of person should would fit your unique business? Yeah, and, and uh, this is a great sort of microcosm way of teaching EOS too, from a simplicity and practicality standpoint. So when we're strengthening the people component, we're leveraging terminology that Jim Collins included in uh, uh, Built to Last and Good to Great, getting the right people yeah. in the right seats on the bus. Yeah. And so what we do is we divide those two thoughts into two distinct areas. A right person is a person who shares your core values, the kind yeah. of personal characteristics and attributes that you really gravitate towards, that you really appreciate and value in people, it is absolutely acceptable to use those things as hiring and retention standard for your people. Life is too short to be stuck in a lifeboat with 27 people you don't really like hanging out with. Mm -hmm. And so yep. we use a tool called core values uh, to define the characteristics or attributes of the best people in your organization today, the folks you yep. most count on, to help you attract those kinds of folks. In terms of right seats, someone who's in the right seat is just consistently excellent at a necessary and clearly defined job in your organization. Mm -hmm. And and we use a tool called the People Analyzer and the accountability chart with those core values to clearly define the job requirements for every seat in the organization 
and the cultural requirements for fitting the culture. And we ask our leaders and managers to evaluate everybody in the organization every quarter as to whether or not they're a right person in the right seat. And so it's work. You got to sit down with your direct reports and say, how do you think you're doing culturally? And how do you think you're doing at your job? And here's some positive and constructive feedback from me. But if you'll do that, it is pretty simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. It just means it's simple. And that's all we yeah. do with EOS. We simplify what can be vexing problems. Oh, it's so hard to hire the right people, Peyton. It is. What work have you done to make it simpler and clearer to everybody in your organization? That's the EOS way. I love what you said then. I really do. It's some um, so many businesses talk about, you know, it's so hard to find the right people or we worked so hard and we found this person, they didn't work out. You know, mishiring mishiring is such a terrible mistake to make. And if you don't understand the core values of your business and you don't understand what the complementary core values are that you're looking for, then I think, and I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I think you find you will mishire more regularly if you don't have those two components set in your mind. Could, couldn't agree more. And then you feel that's one of the primary drivers of feeling trapped. If mm-hmm. you realize you've driven your vehicle into a cul-de-sac and there's no way out, and you look around for other people in your organization to help lead you out, and they're not the right people. They don't share your core values, and they aren't great at their jobs, and so you are stuck. So this isn't an entrepreneur making this up. It's a series of decisions made without a long-term view in mind or made for expedience sake um, has gotten me in a pickle, and I need to navigate myself out. And for many, that feels overwhelming. And again, the EOS approach is simply to say, well, let's take stock of where we are. And if you're 20% strong in the six key components, including the people component, let's start prioritizing solving that problem. So maybe next quarter, we're 40% strong. The quarter after that, we're 60, et cetera. I mean, you got to move in the right direction. And it's amazing when you do that, James, how quickly an entrepreneur starts to feel like there's hope again. And yep. uh, hope is a driver of passion and passion is a driver of a lot of great stuff in an entrepreneurial company. Yeah. I mean, the world that we're living in at the moment, you know, going to, to air in May, 2020, you know, the world's still in the middle of the coronavirus issues. Um, we certainly hope that, it, you know, we find a way through all that. Um, but there's going to be a lot of businesses who are, who are feeling well, they've just been running through treacle for a long time. Um, and taking time to sort of sit back and look at these things, I think, is going to be uh, really important, isn't it? Yeah, I, I uh, started my EOS implementer practice before the financial meltdown of 2008-2009. And mm-hmm. this feels worse, for the record. It feels worse. Whether it is worse or not is anybody's guess. Um, yeah. But it was very similar in that there was legitimate concern worldwide about the presence of an actual economy that would allow for commerce to be conducted post crisis. And um, yeah. so, yes, I do see a lot of companies taking stock, um, but I also see a lot of companies I had uh, entrepreneur. I interviewed for a keynote talk I'm delivering at the EOS conference in mid May. And, um, and I said, how you doing? I start every interview with how you doing? Just, yep. 
personally. And he said, I'm okay. He said, what is amazing to me is how hard you can work to create zero dollars of revenue in your business. <laughs> and, and so I, I think that um, the, the, the people who are assuming that everybody's sitting around with nothing to do don't know a lot of entrepreneurs. That's, uh, that's my one cap. <laughs> that's probably a great point to ask you, the big question, Peyton. What is your one thing? If you could give the listeners a golden nugget, one big thing that they could do today to make their businesses today and better for the years to come, what would that be? Yeah, so it would be to reconnect with your passion and surround yourselves with other people who share that passion. Because entrepreneurial companies are typically driven by a combination of skill or gifts and passion for something, be it helping other people. You know, some people are passionate at their trade. You know, I'm a, I'm the best plumber. I want to be the best plumber on the planet is an example of passion. And yeah. so what we find is that when you're connected to your passion as an entrepreneur, you're much more comfortable letting go of the things you're not passionate about to other people. Um, but you will only let go if they are also passionate about your gifts and what you're passionate about and helping the same people you want to help and so on. So those two things together, whether you're in crisis or operating in growth mode, are going to get you through a lot. And if you've lost passion for your business, that's what EOS is. It's a mechanism for ensuring the trains run on time effectively in a way that frees you up to focus on what you're truly passionate about and what your real gifts are. That's what I want for entrepreneurs in the world, and uh, that's what I believe EOS brings. Fantastic, Peyton. Thank you so, so much for your time. It's been lovely chatting with you. Uh, ditto, James. I enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of The Only One Business Show and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts and in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.